Check it. T with double D. T with double D. Y'all on MD. Say this T with double D. Uh, T with double D. Check it. Hey guys, it's Demora and Danielle, and welcome back to another episode of T with Double D, where we talk everything life, love, and today finances. And so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at T with um, Double D. Yes. And of course, first order of business. Sweet. Drinks. I have, I have water. <laughs> I feel so, I, I have water. <laughs> like an old person, like the old person I am. There we go. We okay, this is water. like, this it's is hot water. So we're yeah, all there you go. I, thank, thank you for trying. <laughs> you know, Danielle did work really hard on my drink, so I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna tell you what she made for me. Oh, okay. yeah. um, so she got me some herbs. It's Vitality. Yes, it's by this company. I think it's called like Tea. Vit- I don't remember, but anyway, um, their <laughs> tea is called Vitality. It's a loose tea, and I'm pretty sure it has lemongrass, some kind of flower stuff. And my mom has like these like little tea bags that we throw the little leaves in and yeah. then just steep it all this in. It's not, not cute, the most aesthetically pleasing. It tastes but it good. sounds like it's really good. It sounds really and like it's really good for you as well. Exactly. And then on top of that, it does give you a lot of energy because I did drink this on another podcast. Yeah. And I had went into the podcast like and I halfway through, I was like, oh my God, I got all this energy. I'm top. Let's oh, do it. That, that sounds like what I need. <laughs> Because I'm always tired and I'm always, it's just, sleep gets really weird. Like as you get older, you're like, I know it's good for you, but time, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's difficult. Now, Melissa, what is your obsession of the week? Oh, it could be absolutely anything. anything. You just yeah, so I do have a, an answer for this, but it's very weird. So I've never been a big TV person and this okay. pandemic has like, turned me into a tv person because there's nothing to do um so i just started this show called the good place and Uh, i think it ended this year i so i had never heard of it and i'd never seen it and then my best friend is just like you should watch this show and i'm and my thing is always just like how many seasons how long are the episodes like what give me a quick plot summary i need to know what i'm about to invest my time in Uh i did a really good sell and i've been watching it i'm actually just about to start season three um, once we're, you know, done with our conversation, lovely ladies. So I'm like, let me pause. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just, I've been watching it and I'm like, oh my God, what if we're in the bad place? <laughs> right, right now? That blew my mind. I know. I was just like, imagine, like, not that I want to consider being a human or living hell, but like, yeah. it's nightmares. Just because mm-hmm. life sometimes feels like a nightmare we're trying yes. to survive. Yes. So what if that's what's going on? Right. That was my thinking. I was watching, so the the that like change came out last night, and I was like, "Oh my god, I think we're in the bad place." And so I've been like texting my friends who watch it. So I'm, I'm a little obsessed with the good place right now. So I'm glad you guys have watched it, so you can understand. I understand. So the good place, definitely my my obsession this week. As my dog plays with her toy, I'm very sorry. Your <laughs> obsession right now. I guess my obsession is, oh my God, no. I was going to say my obsession is work because I went back to work. But um, no, it's actually um, Married at First Sight, that TV show. So I realized that I guess since I was younger, I've liked reality TV shows. Mm -hmm. And I like told myself, I don't like them, ew. And it's like, no, Danielle, you do. do. Why you always lying? (laughs) 
and it's <laughs> legit. They don't know who they're marrying. They meet them for the first time at their wedding. But Married at First Sight caught my interest because I was like, there's no way that people actually sit down and like do this. No, but, they do. But, but they do. They have they 12 do. seasons. Yes. 12? That's no, no, nine. Nine, nine. seasons. Okay, still. nine is still a lot. I'm dead. I'd love to believe in that whole love at first sight thing, but nah. <laughs> How about you, Demora? What Do is I your believe obsession? in it? Oh, no, no. no what's your obsession? <laughs> We're not going to get what? Um, <laughs> I go through a couple of things once in a while, mm-hmm. and I just narrow in on mm-hmm. one. Oh, I have an obsession with Insecure. That would be That's like a really movie. good show. I, I she, uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I like that. Yes, that was, she it was me. so good. I left her behind. I love you. Oh, but <laughs> it's okay. She's watching it now. Yes. But I started with the first season. I'm not going to lie. The first season I felt was a little, it wasn't like that good for our first mm-hmm. season. But then second season, they started upgrading Molly's wigs. The camera <laughs> Molly was like in true. there. I was like, okay, I could watch so it now. True. No, I was, I was rewatching the first season. I was like, Molly's wigs were atrocious. Yeah, they were bad. And I haven't rewatched, and I keep meaning to. And so I joined the Insecure Party really late, so I didn't watch the first season when it was coming out. Me too. I joined it weeks ago. Yeah, and I fell in love. I was like, oh my god, this show's amazing. I love the show. I love the show. And then now I'm just like, when's the next season? <laughs> How long do I have to wait? So yes. that is definitely a good show. Issa's one of my like heroes. So really? what heroes in real life or heroes in the show? In real life, so her and uh, Donald Glover are like two people that I obsess over because they just like are amazing at everything they do. And so with a lot of like the writing and the web series stuff that I've done, I'm just like, I just want to be in a room with them and like work on a something with them. Yeah, I'm just a huge fan of both of them. So I'm just like, oh my God. I have to ask, when is season, and now I'm going to be one of the people asking, when is season three of Millennial in Debt coming out? Um, I actually I watched the first two, and it was- I don't know. I really don't know. And I, I'm not saying it like to be coy. I, <laughs> I have no idea. So it's written. I always thought it is. I did write it, um, and I wrote it a, a while ago. It was just aligning um, Shakira's schedule, who's my business partner, and she played Zoe in the series, and our web developer, and- just our filmmaker and all these things, like aligning schedules was really tricky this time around. And then COVID. COVID so yeah. <laughs> so I like, answered everything. No, really. It kind of just threw a wrench in a lot. It of really did. It really did. Because I was just like, okay, well, when the weather starts getting nice, then we can like start putting together some things. Mm-hmm. And COVID yeah. said, nope. Yeah, maybe 2020. I think my favorite episode I was watching was the one about the high functioning um depressive best friend like the strong best friend and that's what got me i was like oh she got me and i was in it it's actually pretty interesting oh she it's like you know how you know you have the strong best friend they everyone just assumes they're okay meanwhile they're dealing with so much yeah, yeah she's the she's yeah. the high functioning yeah it is very similar. Um, Shakira and I both wrote that episode, kind of mirroring it off of our own lives and just yeah. taking a lot of pieces and things that we've learned from a lot of our other friends and experiences and dealing with mental health. And it was just really important with that episode to make sure it was realistic. I think a lot of times with like mental health things, people try to do two like extremes. It's like, oh, they just are a wreck and nothing, they can't keep anything together. Or they're just like so strong and everything's fine and they go to therapy and they kill it. It's like, yeah. 
there's a middle ground, you know, there's like, there's people who are strong and it's therapy still a thing, like it's not working, you know, so we just wanted to make sure it, it reached a large platform of the middle, which is often ignored sometimes. Now, we'd love to introduce you a little bit more. Yes. So, Ms. <laughs> she is the creator and founder of Millennial in Debt, where she teaches financial literacy to yes. millennials. And I have to say, how did you think of it? Because I think the idea is genius, but how did you think? Thank you. Um, so it came to me. So I'm a teacher. I teach high school. This was my 10th year teaching English. Um, and so high school teacher, I would think you're so cool. Yeah, they, they do. They do. They think I'm pretty cool, and they they always find me on Instagram, and they're like stalking my life. But it's <laughs> that's adorable. It's okay, you know, it's like whatever. I learn something, learn English in class, learn financial literacy online, whatever. Um, so I was on the tail end of paying off my student loans, and I was sitting back with Shakira and thinking, like, you know, this was some shit. Like, part of my like figuring out how to pay this off and figuring out how to navigate adulthood and pay my other bills and make sure my credit wasn't 300 and just making sure like so many things were working. I'm just like, and I always felt like I was in it alone. I felt embarrassed. I was like, you know, I got myself into debt. I'm the one who didn't know what a promissory note was. I'm the one who didn't know how interest works, you know? So it was very much like, this is my fault. This is my problem. I need to figure it out. And so as I started having more conversations and just being more vulnerable about talking about my money experiences, I learned like, oh girl, you're actually not the only one who did this. All, everybody has done this or everyone has gone through some sort of version of what you've gone through. Mm -hmm. And then in talking and hearing other people's stories, I started writing just like anecdotally, like, oh, like my friend did this and this happened or they didn't pay their taxes and this happened. And then because oh, wow. I write everything and I look through my notebook I'm like this would make a really funny just overall story yeah so like during my regents week while I'm proctoring and doing all these other things I'm like let me just like play around with script I've never done script writing and so I work in an art school and some of the kids do screenwriting so they're like oh hey like you you can use this program I'm like all right cool like whatever like I had I had no idea any of this and so I started using it I typed up some stuff in script form and then I brought it to Shakira and I'm like, you know, wouldn't that be kind of cool to turn into something? And she's just like, I guess so. Like, <laughs> why not? Sure. Yeah. So I started like reaching out to people and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start an Instagram and like put behind the scenes and stuff about like this show. So I was like, I'm not teaching anyone anything. I'm just showing them like, oh, we're filming in Brooklyn or whatever. But I didn't really explain what the web series was about. They just saw the name and they're like, okay, that's cool. And then so when the series premiered and people were just like, oh, I learned so much from this like really funny episode of you paying, like not paying your student loans, or I learned this, I learned that. I'm like, wait, you're, you're learning things from me? I was like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, you know what? How about I share a lot of the things that I learned and experienced in addition to like all the humor and the memes and the, the series and being funny. And it kind of just blossomed and turned into what we are today. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thanks. It's like, it was just like a, a lot of weird random pieces came together and here no, I am. You, were you, did you think you were financially adept fresh out of college? Mm, no. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think when I got out of college, all I really knew about was 
teaching, like, cause I had got my master's in, in um, education. I was like, okay, I kind of know how to teach some kids. I want a car. I guess I'll buy a car, you know, but I knew I couldn't afford to move out of my parents' house. And I definitely knew I couldn't afford to buy a house. And I just, I didn't know anything about using money as a tool. I'm like, okay, I work, I get a check. I use that check for things. And that's like, that's what I do from graduating after college. Oh, wow. Now, did you always have like the knowledge of personal finance? Um, And how did you learn like all of this? So I did not. So I'm a first generation um, patient, you know. (laughs) So for your listeners who might not be familiar with the term, it's, it just means that my parents didn't grow up here. They weren't born here. And so a lot of the things that I experienced, especially through school, I was the first one to experience. So I didn't have a lot of, I had emotional support, but not like guidance on, you know, you should do this or here's some advice on how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so everything I was doing was just like, okay, I need to go to school. I'll take a loan. I need to pay for these books. I'll use the loan money. I'll do that, you know, and just not really thinking about what the repercussions would be when I graduated. Mm -hmm. And it actually wasn't until I was 25. So three years after I graduated that I even realized that my financial life was in shambles. I I was trying to buy a house or don't know why I was trying to do that, but I was trying to buy a house at 25 (laughs) and my loan officer at the time was just like, oh, well, you can be approved for a hundred thousand. And I'm just like, why so low? I'm like, what am I going to buy with that in New York? A dollhouse? Like, what am I going to do with that? Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, we can't approve you for more because your debt to income ratio is really high. And I had never even heard of that term before. I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, I have a job. I have checks. I pay my bills. What's the problem? And so that was actually the first financial term I ever looked up. I looked up what was debt to income ratio. Mm -hmm. I realized that I had far more debt than the money I was making. And I was just like, okay, well, that's a problem. And so I then called Sally Mae, which was one of my loan providers at the time. And she just gave me an earful of a lot more financial terms that I had never heard of. Mm-hmm. And all these things with interest because the balance that I had borrowed was bigger. And I'm like, well, I've been paying you for the last three years, your monthly, you know, I've never missed a payment. How is it possible that I owe more money than what I borrowed? Yeah. And they're just like, well, you have, you're only paying interest only payments and those interest only payments are not covering your principal. Yes. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> That's how they get you. Yeah. And I just remember feeling so embarrassed and ashamed that a lot of these terms that these, the, the mortgage officer was using and the Sally Mae officer were using, I'm like, I've never even heard of these things before. And that's when I just started doing Google like searches, like, okay, well, I need to learn this. I need to learn that. And then I started looking into, okay, well, how in the world do people pay off debt? Because Sally Mae put me on a 30 year payment plan. And I'm just like, I, I can't, I can't live with my parents for 30 more years. Like I just, I, I can't do it. It, it just was really tough. And so anything that I didn't know or anything I didn't understand or anything I thought might help me in the process, I would just look it up and read books and Google and all these sorts of things. So I taught myself a lot of how to use money as a tool. And I think it's really important as a high school teacher now, knowing what I know, teaching adolescents about money and how it's a tool because I just can't believe I was 25 and I didn't know what like debt to income ratio was so mm-hmm. that's how I I learned <laughs> well, I guess it's sad yeah. that I'm 29 and didn't know what that meant no it's not 
It's not time. It's always like, it's okay. New I know. Learner. I know. I am a new learner because. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. yeah, I definitely didn't know that was a thing when you were trying to buy a home, like your debt to income ratio. And I'm just like, I've heard the term, but it never yeah. clicked in my head mm-hmm. what exactly that would mean for me. Yeah. You know it just, it's, yeah, they were like, you're a liability girl. We're not, we're not giving you yeah. that. <laughs> Similarly, like when I graduated college, like I had a big like eye opener because I didn't really know how credit cards worked. I didn't, and it, which is a little shameful for me because I, my, both my parents are accountants, so I should probably know this, <laughs> but they also sit down and have like a lesson on everything. They yeah. just do their day to day and, you know, you hear things here and there, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like, for me, I felt like I got out of college and I was like, okay, student loans, what's that? They tried to charge me for years and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you could try, but I don't have that. I didn't know you could call. I didn't know you could defer. I didn't know you can do any of these things because, A, they don't send out a pamphlet when you graduate right. to yeah. go, here's what you need to know. <laughs> yeah. And so, those emails go to spam real quick. Yes. I remember that. I was like, for yes. me, I was the opposite. I'm first, we're, all of us are tra- first, first generation. generation. Yes. But for me, I didn't want to take out loans when I started because right. all I thought of was debt. Like mm-hmm. that, my mom was the one to, convince me that you know everybody has loans mm-hmm. sometimes like it's it's necessary depending yeah. so I was just paranoid yeah so I was like okay I'm I don't want to say yes to you until you tell me what I'm walking into mm-hmm. and these Sally Mae okay. callers okay. they are pretty quick they're on it mm-hmm. they are on it which I like but I knew once I signed my name on that paper I have become Sally Mae's bitch I know yeah. it I will yeah. Wars forever. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, they, they, uh, I didn't know about the principal interest payment to like maybe after school. Cause like, yeah, we're, I'm surrounded by accountants. That's like their primary profession. Um, <laughs> that they like, you know, it's either you're an accountant or a nurse. That's it. Yeah. yeah that's a fact. So, um, I heard them talk about it. Um, my other cousin is a little younger. So he was like, yeah, you pay off. The principle is like what you should focus on and always decrease that because mm-hmm. the interest is based on what your principal amount is. Correct. But a lot of the time when you, I'm not a financial advisor, whoever's listening to this. <laughs> I, I, I also say the same thing. Yes. yes. Okay. So like when you're decreasing your principal payment, the interest that they tax is on that. So your goal would yes. be to decrease that. Okay. So you're not doing the interest. But it's what right. they tell you when you get out is like, all you have to do is pay this. And yeah. you're good, but they yeah. don't have you paying the interest. And as time goes on, now I have a question. Yeah. For this pro- sorry, I also have a question now. Yeah. Does this include when you do an income based deferment, or so, do you advise against that? I do not advise against that. I think if you can get into the income um, based payment plan, that you should take it. I was in it the first year. And then somebody in the, the loan world, when I got literally like a tiny teacher raise, I'm a teacher, so poor, right? That's what we all know. And they're like, oh, your income's increased. You no longer can be in this program. And I'm like, what? So that's what they moved me to the interest only payment plan. And then they're like, oh, but you could be in a graduated repayment plan. So it'll be interest only for the first two years or the first four years. And then after that, we'll slowly increase your payment. And I'm just like, I don't make 
too much money, right? So the income-based repayment plan, why I always really push it if you can be into it, is one, you're making payments that are, are going more towards your principal and it's based off the money you're making, but it's also at the end of the 10 years, whatever was not paid off, if you're working for a like a public service job, they'll forgive it or things like that. But if you're making interest only payments, no one's forgiving anything. They're, they're not. It doesn't fall into one of the payment options that will allow you to have forgiveness. So that's why I'm just like, you guys need to be a little more clear if you're in, you know. They don't share. No, they don't because I'm thinking, okay, well, if I'm a teacher for 10 years, then my loans will be forgiven. It's like, well, no, you were paying interest only for three years. So <laughs> add another three years to that. Yeah. So I do, if you can get into the income-based repayment option, that is definitely something I, I heavily advise towards. I am. Double check. No, I am. I am. I <laughs> that was part of my little like journey with student loans was that I was in... I guess interest only, but I was not paying a cent because I just didn't know that I had no lesson on like credit score. I didn't even know what a credit score was until my credit cards started canceling uh, me. Uh-huh. <laughs> what happened? What's going on here? I gave you free money this whole time. It's not like I thought it was free money. I knew you had I to know, pay it back, but I didn't realize that when you don't pay the credit cards, they attack your credit score. And it negatively affects it when you don't pay the student loan it it goes towards your credit score i did not know these things yeah. were related and i didn't know what a credit score was or what it's used for or why it does what it does mm-hmm. you know what i mean because a you don't ask those kinds of questions if it's not right. something you need to your life at the moment yeah right. for me at the time like i don't hear these things my friends are not talking about that really yeah. so yeah it was definitely an eye-opener yes <laughs> uh, thousand percent all my friends were immigrants so they talked about it a lot which was <laughs> Um, and I was just always afraid of poverty for myself. I was like, I really don't want to be broke. I really don't want to go through all of this and still not perfect. any yeah. money yeah. in your pocket. I feel you. Like that gives me anxiety, I just the you. thought of it. But I feel like even if I think back, I thought I knew so much more than what I actually know now. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like, oh, confident to attack it, even though I read a couple things. Right. Um, but there's like a portion of it when it comes to money I feel like people don't like to talk about it ever yeah I um, agree I think people think money talking about money is not sexy that's what I always say they're like ah I don't want to talk about money it's like that makes me uncomfortable I was like well we should probably not for me <laughs> no when a man talks about money or I'm spending like, money correctly or a savings like, account I'm like oh I like that that's right set yourself up for Yes. Or when they're like smart with their money, but they're like, yeah, I put this there for that, but this, da, 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 and I'm able to pay that. And I'm just like, ooh, stop. <laughs> okay, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> These are the conversations I like to have on dates. That's yeah. what I like to hear. Keywords. Keywords. Saving account. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, right. you were able to pay, I think on uh, Millennial Debt, it said that you paid off your hundred and two thousand dollar loan in five years correct correct. and you still were able to enjoy your 20s wow a little bit i think i think i'm enjoying more of my 30s even though it's only been a year but um 
Yes. So I ended up, and I didn't borrow $102,000. And I, whenever I tell the story, I'm very clear on that because $102,000 is what I ended up paying back to my loan providers, yes. but I did not borrow $102,000. And that's just to show how much interest was racking up. So I borrowed $60,000 oh. and I paid $42,000 extra mm -hmm. for my degree, I suppose, my education. And it's just, I had loans that had 16% interest. I had loans that had 13% interest. And that's the thing with private loans, which is I like to defer between federal and private. My federal loans never went above 7% because that's controlled by the government. You know, they have restrictions. Private loans, it's a private company. They can put their interest up to as, as much as they want. And none of the forgiveness programs are covering private student loans. And a lot of the politicians who were in this race, you know, they were, they were talking about loans and doing this and doing that. And even a lot of their programs that they were suggesting mm -hmm. were not attacking private loans, which is the, the bulk of what people have. And it's just yes. like paying off a loan, paying $200 a month, thinking like, okay, whatever, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm 24. I don't care. I'm paying $200 a month and they're adding in close to three, $400 in interest every month. And it's just like, well, <laughs> that defeats the purpose of this payment completely. Um, so that, I think when I understood that, when I figured that out at 25, like, oh, wow, I didn't even borrow this much money and I have to, I'm responsible for paying back this money and I can't buy a home. I can't move out. I can't celebrate my friend's birthdays that I want to. I can't go on vacations. That's what really made me say, okay, you need to focus on saving more money making more money and really tackling this debt head on if you want to have any semblance of a regular life ever at all ever eventually mm -hmm. that's why i always say that th your 30s are your new 20s like i think so i think so mistakes all right Figuring it out. <laughs> yeah that's that's how I, all i think of i think one of the people um I spoke to when we were talking about Tila Double D. She's like, I like how you guys talk about things so we can learn through your mistakes. I said, well, thanks. <laughs> I made a lot. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel with my brothers as well. I have two younger brothers who were able to sidestep a lot of the financial issues, especially school-wise, mm -hmm. because I was just like, uh-uh, like you're not, you're not taking this loan. You're not doing that. Like, mm -hmm. And I also didn't know you could pay loans while you're in school. You know, I'm like, I'm just going to live my life and yeah. graduated 2010. And it's like, oh, well, your life's now over. You could pay this because you didn't want to pay while you were in school. So, you know, having my brothers make payments while they're in school and making sure they took as minimal loans as possible and not just like, oh, I have to cover this. Like, no, no, no. You I'm like, let's try to pay this cash. Like, let's try to work a side hustle or two because paying $5,000, like working to pay it, as opposed to borrowing 5,000 and having to pay back 15, mm -hmm. it's gonna make you feel two different ways. So <laughs> that's, that's just something I always really stress. It's just like learning at any time through people's mistakes is very helpful to, to make sure you don't do the same thing. You know, it's easier for me to learn from you than to just go through it myself painfully. Because it's, like, it's brutal, it's very difficult. Yeah, I, 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 I would find solace if I was about to like click yes on the Sally Mae through face just popped up and was like, this is what you should know. <laughs> and then they were just like, awesome. oh, maybe I they would love that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. They would never. But I would, I would totally <laughs> find love to do that job. Like, wait, <laughs> let me tell you what you didn't read in that promissory. <laughs> 
let me tell you the fine print. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, because I had, I can't, when I found out that my parents could be responsible for my debt after I die, mm -hmm. I was just like, nah, this, <laughs> I gotta start reading contracts. Like, I, <laughs> I was like, I can't. And I, I told my parents that same day, I was like, mom and dad, I was like, you know, God forbid, like I pass away, do not pay that loan. I was like, if they come through, just ignore them. I was like, you don't have to do this. And I was like, I think we do. <laughs> They were, they were really hoping I figured it out because they didn't want to like, have to be a part of that. So read those promissory notes. Now, how did it, this is like additional to the question that I just asked, how did it affect you wanting to do certain things like travel? Cause I'm, I'm a big traveler. I love going to new places. Um, I know you can find a lot of things to do for free. I'm a big advocate. However, yeah. I also want to see things outside of New York and right. Eastern Coast. <laughs> right, exactly. So like I said, I started really focusing on finances at 25. In my mid to maybe close end of my 20s, like the last three years, I didn't go anywhere. I, <laughs> I made sure, I think I went to like Florida, but I wasn't taking really big extravagant trips because I was so focused. I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting my nails done. I'm not going to the movies. I'm not going to these group dinners. Like I'm not doing any of that because I just can't afford it. And now as I'm older and trying to, you know, help people manage money in a, in a, a more healthy way, mm -hmm. I know that might not be the best route to kind of shelter in or be a hermit. And yeah. I do think there is a way that you can still travel and still enjoy a lot of life while still focusing on money. But I know the way I did it was just barricading myself in my room, head down and just make sure. I remember the first international trip I took using credit card points. I was like, I am a master at money. I was so excited, but that wasn't until I was 29 years old. So I spent a majority of my twenties either being like ridiculous with money or super like Herbal. not spending a dime. So it was very weird times, very weird times. I can That's imagine. Right. I'm like a very big advocate of like spending the least amount of money you can ever spend mm -hmm. going on a trip. Like I'm the one who'd be like $200. Yeah, let's go to Louisiana and I will make it back home. That's what right. my parents are like, okay, do you have money? You know, and it's like, I have something and I won't tell them how much money I have. I just go and then hope for the best. And that scares me. I have I like backup to the backup to the backup money when I go. I'm <laughs> I, have, like, I try to spend minimal as well. Yeah. Like I say, I have the money I saved. I have the money that it was meant for the trip. And then I have a little bit of extra just in case. Nah, I said, fuck life. <laughs> I'm about to go to Louisiana. Always wanted to go. I had, um, my mom was nice enough to let me use her car. And I put miles in my car. That poor car. But she loves right. me anyway. <laughs> I drove down there $250 strong. I think halfway, I was like Wednesday, that's when I started calculating, okay, where can I spend no money so I can make it back home right. in 18 or 22 hours? So I can't, I would love to know the points thing so that I can use points to travel. One day, I hope to have that. Yes, I am a huge points like if I can charge, so I, I love credit cards. And I think that if you use credit cards responsibly, they can be 
your best friend. They can help with building credit. They can help to build your, um, your points. Just so many things that they can help to do cash back, like all these things. And so I have two credit cards. I've had, I had my first one in 2008. The second one I got in 2015, cause I wanted to buy a laptop and I was like, you know what? They had a really good intro deal. I was like, all right, this sounds great. And it actually that card has been phenomenal. I've traveled a lot, a lot of places using points on that card. It got me to London. It got me to Paris. I went to Chicago. I was like, all right, points, points. And what I do essentially is I charge all my, everything that can go on that card goes on the card and I pay it off at the end of the month. Yeah. Like religiously. I don't let anything roll over because I'm, I'm done with interest. I can't like the interest that's adding to my mortgage. Every time I think about it, I'm like, Ugh. like I hate interest. Yes. And so I, anything. And then, so if I'm ever in a group setting, I'm like, oh, we need to pay for something. Like put it on my card. Like, put on my card. <laughs> you know, cause I get double points on all my expenses and I'm just like, you know, and then no me the money guys. It's all good. Like just put it on my card. I'm actually afraid of credit cards because I just think of mm, I'm not anymore. I'm not anymore now that I've gotten it under control. Yeah, I'm not anymore. Like mm -hmm. I, you really need to be, you know, like diligent with it. Mm -hmm. You really right. need to be diligent. Right, and it can help you. It can help build your credit. Like I built my credit up from when I found out about all those loan things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there was a card that helped me build my entire credit up to where it is now. Like, okay, uh, through yeah. Hard work, girl. I guess I did get a card, but I closed it when I wasn't working. Even mm -hmm. though they don't, don't close it, it does you affect your credit. Yeah. Right. Um, but I was just like, mm, I just feel uneasy with you sitting there. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's very fair, and that's very like a very honest decision with yourself. I thought that was pretty smart. Mm -hmm. um, I also have like a weird fear of like identity theft, so I don't link my debit card to any. I'm just like, if I get hacked, I was like, they are not getting that debit card. So I'd much rather a credit card get hacked. Um, there's another a financial person in the financial world, um, zero base budget who I follow. And she just got her credit card account hacked and they were buying like Taco Bell or KFC all over the country. It was the weirdest hack I've ever seen. But I was like, see, I was like, this is why I don't link my debit card. So that's just anyone who has that fear, credit card is the way to go because I'd rather they take the bank money and mess with the bank money than take my actual hard-earned cash. <laughs> yeah, I told you. That's funny because I lost my <laughs> I lost my wallet in the city. I'm pretty sure the homeless man waving me down was trying to give me back my wallet, but he was like running at me. I got nervous. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's dark, it's 10 p.m. I was like, no, no, sir, I'm okay. And I found out I lost my wallet, got home, very mad, and nothing happened. Like Good. nothing happened. And all of a sudden, a month later, I saw a bill for Spectrum, <laughs> the um, cable company. Yeah. You guys waited a whole month for me, for you to use my card. You're just waiting for it to be safe. What? Yeah. They charged $140 on my card. And I was like, what are you doing? People really buy I, this strange like, stuff with people's money. I'm just like, yes. yeah. Yeah. One time, my friend, they bought a pair of shoes from like Brazil. Or like France, some three hundred dollars shoes for like. Like, hey, you have to really want these shoes. Got it. That makes sense. Taco Bell. Yeah. What she was saying, what she was thinking, because what they did was they Grubhubbed, but for pickup, so you didn't have to give your address for the credit card, like for it to get approval. So the card was charged, and they obviously never picked it up, but they wanted to see how many purchases they can get through before 
she like closed it. And I'm like, Taco Bell is the, the, that was your like, let me try there. I don't know. People are so weird. So weird. Like, why would I get Taco Bell? Oh, God. Who knows? Was there any um, financial advice that you were given that was helpful to you or you felt was like absolutely wrong or did you wrong throughout the process? Yes. And I don't know this person because I love Twitter. It was a random Twitter person and or a celebrity. I'm actually not sure. But they said, never buy anything that you can't afford to buy twice. And that has really been helpful, especially now because I don't have student loan debt and I make more money and things like that. I'm always like, I want this Gucci belt or like, I want this like Louis bag. And I'm like, girl, can you buy this twice? Do you, do you need it? Or yeah. Purchase. yeah, exactly. So it's like if after I purchase this, if I'm going to be like hurting for money or like looking at my credit card bill, like, uh, you know, so it's just like if you can't afford to buy it twice, you can't afford it. So I, I try to remind myself of that all the time, just all, all, all the time. And then, of course, the, the common one people are saying, don't buy, don't, I think it's don't buy a $500 bag if you can't put $500 in it. Something like, something like, or maybe the numbers change. Okay. And so, but it's just, it's always what I keep in mind whenever I think about buying luxury, because I, I am a big person of don't buy cheap things. And what I mean by cheap, I mean by quality. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you definitely don't need to buy a $500 t-shirt, but you should buy a t-shirt that you could wash, you know, and it's not going to like fall apart. Things, yeah. Same thing with like jeans or suits or like clothing, things like that. I'm like, okay, quality. But I, I have to remind myself, quality doesn't always mean luxury. So it's like, you can get a good bag, Melissa. It doesn't have to be a Gucci bag. Like, calm down. Now, have you ever gotten financial advice that was wrong? Because I feel um, like that's a common thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you get, like, the wrong advice and you do I think I have. So I actually just filmed a video for this two days ago that I have to edit. Um, I think financial and this might be controversial to some a lot of people when they enter the financial world they're always just like oh you need to be a homeowner and they're like it's gonna work financial wonders for you it's gonna be an asset it's going to build equity you're gonna make money off of it and you're not paying rent and it's like "Uh i've been a homeowner for 18 months i want to go to my parents house i want to go home and it's like, keep saying that since I've become a homeowner, granted, I am, I am much more responsible with money and I know how to maneuver it a lot better, but since I've become a homeowner, I don't feel like I've reaped the benefits, the financial benefits that people always talk about with home ownership. And in the financial environment, it's very much, if you rent, you'll never be rich. And if you homo, if you're a homeowner, you will be rich. It's like, no, that's not true. It's like, yes, you should build assets and yes, investing and building wealth, but it's like homeownership is not the only way. And homeownership can definitely be a financial detriment sometimes Mm -hmm. depending on the market, depending on the state of the house. It's just a lot of things. So I think that advice that people often spread needs to be tailored a little differently but that that's definitely what i is my worst renting is throwing your money away yeah but that's um, what i hear i don't know well yes and no because it's not yours but i get it like i feel like if you move around a lot it's necessary right so that was it so it's like if you know you're gonna move around a lot if you are changing jobs constantly they're like home ownership 
it's going to take, you're going to sell your house every single time. You're going to pay those legal fees, those closing fees, those taxes. It's a lot of things that go into selling a house. A lot of things that go into buying a house and you, you gain a huge liability. Even if I pay off my mortgage tomorrow, which if I could, I would Even <laughs> if I pay off my mortgage tomorrow. I still have to pay the taxes, the property taxes every year. I still have to pay for sewage garbage. I have to pay for the people who clean for sanitation. I have to pay for all those consistent consistently. And then if my roof starts leaking or if my water heater breaks, I have to pay for that. As opposed to if I'm renting, yes, I, that money is going into someone else's whatever. But if the walls fall down, you're not responsible for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding that home ownership with like construction is <laughs> driving me crazy. Also cultures that, we, that have first generation um, children, like yeah. they get drives into their head, like buy a house, buy a house, yep. buy a house, yep. buy a house, buy a house. Like you will succeed if you buy a house. A house, right? exactly. you've made it exactly. Yeah, exactly. There, everyone thinks the house is a sign of wealth. And I feel like there's steps. At least in my head, there's yeah. steps to getting to a house. I feel like there's that middleman where you rent an apartment for like a year or two, you save up some money, and you you move into your home kind of thing. It's kind of like a graduation. Yeah. I think the best advice I could ever give anyone financially is to focus on their net worth. So okay. you could be a homeowner with a negative net worth. You could be a homeowner with a really low net worth. My net worth decreased becoming a homeowner. It didn't go negative, thank God. But like okay. it decreased because the more liabilities you have, the lower your net worth is. And you have to think about what your 401k looks like. What does your HSA, your Roth IRA, all these things that add into the positive side of your net worth, you really want to focus on increasing that, right? What's your cash flow? What does your savings look like? Are you investing or do you have um, retirement investments? Things like that is, is the real key to building wealth, mm -hmm. not buying a house. <laughs> That's true. I, now, you did mention Roth IRA accounts. Are you a fan or? I I am a fan. I don't have one. And I just recently um, said that out loud on Instagram, which I know a lot of people were shocked and like, what? Because I do always promote them and I think they're a good idea. It's just, I, I work for the Department of Ed, which is one of the few still things that do pension plans. So city workers have pensions. That's yep. not a thing in like the real world. The real world is like 401ks and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I never really thought that I needed to look into a retirement outside of what my job would be providing. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's no, that's a no, no. See, even I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, this year, I really took the time to focus on rebuilding my emergency savings. And then next year, I'm going to focus on maxing out my Roth IRA. So I will be opening one. Yeah. I am a fan. I just don't actually have one right now. Okay. So for the people who are not listening, how would you explain a Roth IRA to like a high school student? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a Roth IRA, you can open at any bank. So you have a regular banking account. You can open a Roth IRA. <coughs> and what it is, is... And I think right now you can add in $6,000. That's the max every year. So when people say max out my Roth IRA, they're going to put $6,000 for the fiscal year. 
Okay. And so, yes. And so after you put in that $6,000, what's happening with that money, what the bank is doing is they're investing it in different types of investment. So some of it could be stocks, some of it could be in bonds, some of it could be in ETFs. They're taking your money and investing it for you, right? So the 6,000 is not sitting there. So when the stock market is doing well, people's Roth IRAs are doing well. And so when the stock market's being a little wacky, like it is right now, your IRA is going to to be a little wacky, but the thing is with stocks and with your Roth IRA, don't touch the money. <laughs> let it sit and let it do what it has to do. And as you get older to retirement, you can make different moves with that money. But being that we're young, it's, it's more important to just let the money do what it's going to do. And once you put money into a Roth IRA, it's very similar to a CD, which I think most people are familiar with, in the sense that you can't just take it out without penalty. So when you put money into a Roth IRA, you cannot take it out until you retire, into your retirement age, which I believe is 62 currently in the country, but no. <laughs> Oh, there's my dog. Sorry. So oh, at 62, <laughs> that was come, come, come. At 62, you can take the money without any penalty. If you try to take it out before then, you will have a penalty. And you do ta get taxed already on the Roth IRA, so you won't be taxed when you take it out. I think oh. that's as simple as I can. <laughs> as simple as I can do it. Like an aggressive retirement plan. Yeah, and it's your own money, so it's not attached to any job, because with your 401k, it's usually from whatever company you're working for well. And so when the stock market's being a little wacky, like it is right now, your IRA is going to, to be a little wacky. But the thing is with stocks and with your Roth IRA, don't touch the money. <laughs> let it sit and let it do what it has to do. And as you get older to retirement, you can make different moves with that money. But being that we're young, it's, it's more important to just let the money do what it's going to do. And once you put money into a Roth IRA, it's very similar to a CD, which I think most people are familiar with, in the sense that you can't just take it out without penalty. So when you put money into a Roth IRA, you cannot take it out until you retire, into your retirement age, which I believe is 62 currently in the country, but no. <laughs> Oh, there's my dog. Sorry. So at 62, come, come, come. At 62, you can take the money without any penalty. If you try to take it out before then, you will have a penalty. And you do ta get taxed already on the Roth IRA, so you won't be taxed when you take it out. I think um, that's as simple as I can. <laughs> as simple as I can do it. Like an aggressive retirement plan. Yeah, and it's your own money, so it's not attached to any job, because with your 401k, it's usually from whatever company you're working for. Okay. I have to look into that. Yeah, definitely, definitely do. I'll be opening it next year. <laughs> um, it's like an aggressive savings fund. And that was like the first time I ever heard about it. Yeah. Um, but I've never actually, I don't know too many people who have it, but I do have, I, I heard you mention it. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, do you feel comfortable investing in it now because of COVID? I do because I'm an aggressive investor, but <laughs> but like I said, I do think at our age, the younger we are, the this that, I'm not gonna say better, the more ideal it is to be a more aggressive investor because like I said, you're not gonna be using that money for the next 30 years anyway, right? And our stock market statistically, historically, always goes through these hills and valleys. And so you don't want to be a conservative investor at 25 when you cannot 
you can't use that, but it's better to let that money compound interest build now and just figure out what's going on. You're not going to lose the money, right? You can't touch it anyway. So my dad, who's 62, I'm just like, take that money out. I'm like, get it out, get it out. But me, I'm just like, I'm just going to let it do what it's going to do. So I do think if you're comfortable, you can be a little more aggressive. If you're just starting out and learning, you could go through a financial advisor or through those robo, um, like investors, like robo stock, is it? I think it's robo stock, um, E-Trade, things like that, that'll help guide you, Acorns. Yeah. Um, financial advisor is always like my big push, like if you wanna start thinking about these things. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Wow, that's, uh, <laughs> no, that's definitely makes I was like thinking, I was like, okay. In all honesty, like I was looking, I was on TikTok because, you know, everyone's obsessed. TikTok is right. But um, this guy was like saying, you know, you make it up. A Roth IRA is really easy. You put in XYZ, put in this. And if you start saving now, I think he said for someone who's like 18 to invest $500 or something like that. By the time they're 62, they'll be millionaires. Yes, correct. And I'm just like, that's insane. Yeah. And the fact that more people are not talking about it is a little crazy too. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is a way for you to be set up for your future. And it's just kind of upsetting to me that America has these things or everywhere has these things. And it's not something that's taught to our youth. Right. Get a lesson in this. No, we learn geometry, which is yeah. also yeah. Good, I guess also but... good if you want to be an architect, but yeah, but I've never used the Pythagorean theorem. And just before I got on this this um call, I was doing some sort of math with my friends, and they were like, "Girl, stop!" I'm really <laughs> bad at math. Like, I just it's definitely my weakest point. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm gonna get all the money I can from yeah. you know, because and that's why it's so important to max out the. IRA to max out your 401k because you want as much money compounding and doing all these things. And I love seeing those calculators that say, okay, well, if you start at 25 and you invest this amount for this amount of years, you're going to be a millionaire by 45, a millionaire by 50. She's so crazy and she really thinks she's like doing something. Nori, I'm I'm talking to to lovely people. Can we please stop? I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, so I, I definitely feel like we not only need to learn about this, but we need to learn about how to capitalize and maximize our gains yes. to be millionaires, you know, because I, I, in one of my recent posts, it was just saying how there are a couple of thousand black millionaires in America, yeah. as opposed to like 14 million white millionaires in America. So it's like, we need more, we need more black millionaires and we need to show them how to build to yeah. that million. Yes. I'd like to be one of them. Thanks. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Hopefully. Now, what do you think was the biggest sacrifice you had to make in order to fulfill your financial goals? Um, I think the biggest sacrifice I had to make was probably social my social life I like I said I became very cloistered I stayed I was a hermit for majority of my middle 20s so mm -hmm. I think missing out on like my friend's big 25 birth uh, 25 year old birthday parties or going on vacation my my family has gone on vacations without me because I'm just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's just not having those social moments and social times that are so important, especially in times like these where I'm like, I miss people. Um, it's just, yeah. So that's always a little sad when I think about like a lot of the stuff I missed out on. Yeah. I think that's like one thing like I have, I have like the fear of missing out. Cause I'm like, 
oh my god like I don't want to miss out on all these things and it's like but you need to save that's why yeah. I think quarantine kind of came in clutch mm-hmm. this year because <laughs> I was able to save so much money by not going out and during the time that we are quarantined I have at least seven birthdays between that time it's yep. like I was happy to miss the birthdays <laughs> This year I'm was selling out like at least $150 per birthday. And it's like, see, that's why I had to miss. I was like, I'm not going to group dinners where I'm ordering a salad and I'm paying a hundred dollars, like, yes. which I've done. I have done. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. Cause you gotta be prepared to be on business. You know, oh, let's split the bill. And I've been yeah. like, yes, because this is what I could afford. Okay. Exactly. Like I got a salad and water and you had 12 like margaritas. So there you go. Yeah. Not the same bill for us. <laughs> <laughs> I heard this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also, as I got more comfortable talking about money, I also got a lot more comfortable saying these things out loud. Like, <laughs> you got me messed up. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I was like, I'll see you in the car, but I'm not doing that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's why I always love driving to things. I'm like, I'm going to go to the car. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself, um, give your past self, and why? Ooh, very good. So I definitely think I would give myself, my past self advice to go to a cheaper school, um, to go to a school that's still going to provide me with a, a similar quality of education at a much lower cost. And, and I love all of the friends that I made at my school, and they've definitely become my family. Shakira, I met at school, at college, but... I, like I said, I'm a teacher and I'm working with other teachers and they're like, yeah, I went to Queens College. I went to Stony Brook. I went to Albany and they paid significantly less for school, but we're getting paid the same exact thing right now. So that's definitely the advice I would give myself. Go to a cheaper school. You can be an education major almost anywhere. Every school has that major and save yourself some money. That's, that's the advice. I like that advice because I feel like people start to stress about like, oh, I need to go to the school because of the name. And it's like, yeah. well, at the end of the day, you are going to get paid just the same as someone who went to the For sure. <laughs> it's like, it's, like it, it's its different benefits. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to a school with that's excellent or mm-hmm. a lot of correct. Yes. You're going to be in the crowd that you want to mimic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like yes. that's the benefit. Of course. But yeah, but to be like, you can also find that crowd in other places. That That's, what That's what I was about to say. That's what I was going to say. There are, the, like, yeah. you know, there are people who take it as seriously as someone at a, at a more prestigious school may mm-hmm. take it. You know what I mean? You just got to find that crowd. But of course, there's that crowd that's, you know, just doing whatever in college. Yeah. So. <laughs> Where, like, I went to a school that I think was expensive, but didn't have that crowd. Mm-hmm. So really? I paid for like you know I, of course I met great people don't get me wrong yeah same 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 I have my diehards you know who you are but I also realized I was like yeah for what I paid yeah I I feel the exact same way and so what I used to tell my students I'm like listen don't take out Harvard size loans if you're not going to Harvard yes so that's just what I always tell them and they're like oh but I love this school it's my dream school I'm like, yeah, but you're going to be a teacher. You're going to be a psychologist. You're going to be a sociologist. Like that major and that degree, you could get it at any other really good school for a much lower price. 
Yeah, he's gonna do it. Definitely. Going to college now, and you know, I think he's also in that space that he doesn't really know what to expect. Because mm-hmm. I remember, I remember that feeling like, what am I looking for when I'm in <laughs> school? Um, but I feel like he doesn't really care, so I keep, I keep telling him like, okay, I get what you want to do. This is the school to have it, but also look into like the Macaulay's program. I think it's yeah. a great program. Yeah. Four years, debt-free. You get a laptop. You can study abroad. You get two advisors. Like, look into those things because yeah. I'm telling you right now. I tell them, I tell them this all the, all the time. Imagine working so hard, working so hard to make money, and then it's not yours. Yep. It belongs to somebody else. Yeah. Yep. Make it, but it doesn't stay. You will, like, you'll never see it again. And he's like, exactly. that happens. I yes. said yes. Yeah, all the time. Money. Yep. <laughs> but, so, I, I think that is a great, a great advice. To yes, give. definitely. Now, I admire how you handle money because I just, I, I feel like self education is really good. Um, but what rules or little etiquettes do you live by, like financial rules? What, it, what is like some couple name five that you would be like yeah this is what I do on a daily okay so definitely first rule I never carry any um credit card like debt into the next month so I pay all my balances in full that's like a steadfast hard rule for me yeah Um, second rule I have to always save at least a thousand a month so no matter what happens if I'm walling out with money which sometimes happens a thousand dollars has to go into the savings so I'm at least saving 12000 for the year. That's always like my, my baseline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's two. Um, third one. So I, well, I've known my boyfriend for like my whole life, but I, whenever I would go into relationships and that's with any business partners or romantic relationship, we need to talk about money. I need to know how much you make. Of course, I'm not going to say in the first date, well, how much money do you make? But I need to know your financial fitness, essentially, because it needs to match mine. So I don't want to start a relationship with someone. It's like, oh yeah, can we go to vacate? Can we go to Hawaii? And it's like, oh no, I just bought a motorcycle and I have like student loan debt. It's like, "Hmm, what? Who who am I dating? So I need to... (laughs) I need to know the financial fitness of whoever I'm entering any major relationship with. I love that financial fitness. Yeah. Yeah, It's very important. And once you start surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded in money or other really big, important things, you'll find you can navigate life won't be easy, but you can navigate life with those people in your corner. It'll be far less strife, you know, like marrying someone who your financial fitness doesn't have to be the same. But it's similar. So, you know, one person saving and the other person is also like some on that same path. Um, we have another rule. Like, I'm trying to think like what money things do I make mandatory? Don't carry over financial fitness. I think that's the two. Saving a thousand a month. Saving a thousand a month. Yeah, I think... I think that might be everything else. I'm kind of fluid to see like how things go. I'm like, okay, plans require adjustments. Some months I'll save more, some yeah. months I, you know, but I think, I think those are like the three I live by. Okay. <laughs> okay. Those are not bad. I need good. They've, they've reworked some things, but yeah, financial fitness. I'm keeping that in the back of my yes, head. Yes. I have anyone, anyone to make sure they're financially fit to match like what you need in your your circle I, of sphere. I do agree with that because I definitely like I was always somebody who like 
took care of my own money and like my finances and how I deal with things. Like I religiously look at my bank account like every single day and make sure I know what's coming right. going out. Like I check, I check things like obsessively almost, but like it, it works into my daily schedule, whatever. But yeah, I, when I was in relationships, I was never really thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And it's not until I met my boyfriend That's now, like he was just like, okay, so how much you got in savings? And I'm like, and I felt kind of like embarrassed and I was like I have nothing like you know what I mean at the time I had nothing and through meeting him like I was able to like save up money and make my own bank account he like drilled it into my account that it needed to be yeah no I like that because if you didn't have that convert my god Nori, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Oh my god. Okay. If you didn't have that financial conversation, you mm-hmm. might not have been inspired or motivated to save, right? Because you guys didn't open that line of conversation. So I think that was that it, was awesome. Yeah, it definitely opened my mind, and I was just like, oh, okay. And in turn, I even taught him things. You know what I mean? He had these very big goals but like didn't know the steps to get there. And I was just like, wait a minute, I know the little steps while you know the big goals. And it's like putting it together, we just made a little nice little like, nice little family of, you know, financial. I like that. He's like an upkeeper, that's awesome. Oh, he is, oh, oh, shit, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that, I like that, good. (laughs) Shout him out, girl. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I like that too. (laughs) (laughs) But do you, in all this now, do you feel you have a good grasp on like how money works in America? I do. I think I have a good grasp on how to use money as a tool. I wish I had more of it at my disposal to to make the moves um, that I want to, but I think I have a really good understanding of how financial institutions work. I have a good understanding on how not-for-profit works. I have an understanding of for-profit because I never even knew that universities and, and private institutions were for-profit. I'm like, that seems mean. But you know, like these are things that like, it does seem a little mean. But to think about these things, and it's just like, oh, taxes with investing. Like if I don't know about investments and I didn't know that people are being taxed differently. So the money you're making off of investment is taxed lower than the money you're making off of income. And that's like so important for me to know like, okay, maybe I should invest more of this money here so I don't have to pay this many taxes. So I like that I know all these things and I like that it keeps leading me down different rabbit holes of learning even more and more. And just, it's helping me learn, but it's also helping me like share with people. That's amazing. I love that. I love it all. <laughs> I, I love this conversation. Me too. Like, I think I'm learning things throughout this conversation. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to hit you up and talk to you about this later. <laughs> <laughs> you can totally DM me. I answer all of DMs because all I do is live on Instagram, apparently. Okay, I'm down. <laughs> it's summertime, so I don't really have to work, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh yeah. Sorry, as a teacher, I don't work as a teacher. I still have like other like millennial work. <laughs> we collected some questions oh, yeah. from um, some of the people that follow us, okay. and we wanted to know if you'd want to answer them. Sure. Um, the first one I feel like we kind of covered, but if you want to touch upon it again, it when should you look start looking into savings and retirement plans? 
what is too early or what is too late? Oh, there is no too early. I made my seniors this year open up high yield savings as their closing um, assignment. So there's never too early to think about savings and opening up savings. I did a video recently on YouTube about how to make your kids rich or how to make your kids wealthy or how to teach your kids about money because I get a lot of those questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're like, well, I don't want to take away their childhood. So I think there are different ways and steps that you can teach your kid about saving and about money that's not going to ruin their childhood. Now, as far as opening up like IRAs and investing, I think once you get a steady job, right? It might not be the career you love, but if that job is offering a 401k and you were making enough money where you can put a little bit in an IRA, I think that is something you want to think about because once you're working, they're already taking social security from you, right? There's already that coming out of your, your check. So you need to start saving for yourself because I don't know what social security is going to look like when we get up there, but something's telling me we're on our own. So <laughs> you definitely, once they're taking money out of your check for retirement, then you should start taking money out of it for yourself as well. Okay. Okay. Agreed. Um, when should one invest in a credit card? Uh, so I think you should invest in opening a credit card when you feel responsible. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, you said you weren't working. So you're like, I'm not going to have this credit card. And I think that's really smart. And I don't think people should open up like, oh, I'm going to open up because I'm 18 or I'm going to open it up because I, I'm 20 or whatever. You open it up when you feel you can responsibly handle, you know, you'll use it and you'll pay it off. So don't just do it because you want to like buy something at Victoria's Secret, which I have had friends who have done. Mm. Don't do it. <laughs> One of my friends told me this was like way back. She was like, oh, yeah, I used to open store credit cards. So that way I can um, buy something and then I canceled it. I said, but I said, how many times did you do this? She said, it a couple times. I said, but. <laughs> I nope, not good. Not good. And store credit cards look really bad on your credit report. So they look at how much, how many different types of credit lines you have open, right? So when you take out a student loan, that's your first open credit line. When you buy a house, that's another credit line because someone has credited you this money. And so when you have a whole bunch of like Macy's or like Victoria's Secret, it doesn't, it looks like you're an irresponsible borrower. So you want to have a healthy line of different credit. That's just, yeah, I learned that from also opening a Macy's card. So <laughs> yeah, I learned that from Lord and Taylor. Lord and Taylor is rude. They drop you hot fire. They're like, leave me alone. Like, whoo, girl. It was like whiplash. Really? <laughs> gave me whiplash because again, I didn't know about credit score. Yeah. And I didn't know your credit score is then tied to the credit cards and how much they credit limit you or keep you or whatever. So when I had went down so low. Lord and Taylor was the first one to be like, you don't need this anymore. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> and to the day, this, the missed payments from that card is still affecting my credit score. To really? this day. I thought they, after a certain amount of time, it like, yeah, it's like uh, 10 years. It's I think like, it's eight. Yeah, eight? eight years. Yeah. Yep. It's a long time. It's a very long time. Long time. <laughs> oh my God. This makes me like not want to get one, but I But know, it's for anything. I do want loans. one. I, I feel like even student loans. Yeah. yeah, student loans. One is <laughs> <laughs> still like. <laughs> every, every, every time I had to pay for something made, I was just like. Oh. Yeah, it's it's one of those painful things. It's like, oh wow. Yeah, just. Yeah. Fine. 
just have it. Yep. It's okay. It's not like I woke up at 6 a.m. to collect it. Thank you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first time I had to make a favorite, I told my mom. She's, she just laughs. My mom and my dad, they laughed at me. So I was like, man, I'm Sally Mae's bitch. And my mom, <laughs> she just looked at me. She's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they really can say, right? Like, well, yeah. you did it. So I hope it works out. no yes um what is no one of our other questions yeah um, was uh can you travel with debt you can you can do anything with debt (laughs) it's just you know it depends on how much it's gonna weigh on your mind how much like whatever traveling you're doing is that taking away from potentially paying off the debt faster these are just things you want to do you care like you know because some people are just like i'm gonna just live with this debt i'm gonna do what i want to do die with this debt. i don't care and that's that's fine you know like we just have we're not aligned your your financial fitness doesn't match mine Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's just like do your thing but i i think it's possible to travel responsibly and travel within your means and within your budget. You know, if you have a sinking fund, like you just, you're saving for vacation, I think that's perfectly doable and okay. And your points. Points. (laughs) points. I have a capital one venture card. They don't even pay me to say that, but I just, (laughs) I read that card has done amazing things for me. I like that. What okay, so this is something I've heard more recently. How do you what are your thoughts on refinancing um debt? Um again, it's so there is no one size fits all answer for anyone. I think it depends on what your credit report and your credit score is looking, what your interest rate is, is it going to be worth it? A lot of times when you're refinancing, sometimes that's also going to change the length of the loan. It really depends on your your life circumstance, right? So like one of my friends recently, she's in um, housing. So she does like mortgages and stuff. She's like, oh, she's like, now's a really good time to refinance your mortgage because you're, you're, um, the rates are so much lower. And I'm like, you know what? My payment isn't killing me. And with the refinance, I don't want them running my credit again. That's going to be a hard inquiry. Those hard inquiries stay there for two years. And the last hard inquiry is coming off in October because I just moved in, right? So I'm like, I don't, I don't, as the benefits of a lower interest rate really aren't going to matter to me with what the other circumstances are going to be. And it's just like, I can manage and I'm already trying to pay extra payments to pay this off way before this 30 year thing that they thought I was going to do, but (laughs) it it really depends on the options, right? You're going to weigh out what is it going to do? Do you, can you handle a little bit of a lower credit score or do you really need the lower payment? It's, it's all your financial fitness kind of justifies what you do. (laughs) But um, yeah, so other they asked also common questions, common mistakes that can should be avoided when it comes to finances. Oh, I like this one. Um, definitely common mistakes. So one is not reading the the loan or the promissory note or whatever contract it is that you're entering with someone else, especially when they're giving you money. Mm-hmm. You need to know exactly what it is that you're going to be paying. So a lot of times people don't notice that there's APR on their credit card, right? They don't notice the APY. What is the interest rate that in their high yield savings? So you need to know what the details are of any contract you're entering. And that's even if you're opening a simple bank account, that is a contract, right? You're giving your money. The bank obviously uses your money to do a whole bunch of things. So Mm -hmm. you need to know, are they FDIC insured, right? 
is this going to be something where I can earn points? I know there are some bank accounts, not all, many, that give points for our interest, I'm sorry, on their checking accounts. Not all of them do that. So you need to know, am I going to be paying for this? Like if I go below this balance? So I think people entering into financial contracts with institutions, with banks, things like that, and not knowing what they're signing up for mm -hmm. is probably one of the bigger downfalls of people's financial situations. I know it was mine with my loans. Mm -hmm. okay. No, I, I like that. Yeah, definitely. Any definitely. other common mistakes? Because I'm trying to think. <clears throat> I really think that's the biggest one. Of course, there are like people who are living beyond their means, people who are buying too much house, which I've talked about, you know, like you're like, oh, okay, I make $100,000. You really shouldn't be, oh, you make 100,000 a year. You shouldn't be trying to buy a million dollar house, right? So people are like, oh, but I can afford this. I can afford that. It's like, but you need to think about all that encompasses you as a financial person. And mm -hmm. it's not just going to be that mortgage, right? The property tax on higher houses are, is higher. So you have to make sure you're living within your means, you're living by what your, your financial life justifies for you. So I'm not buying a Lamborghini, you know? So it's like all the decisions on what I buy have to fit with my life, with what I can afford. So that's a big one. People, people, they think that just because they have the $5,000, they need to use all 5,000 of it. Yep. That is true. That's not even really $5,000. It's like <laughs> $450 and some change. <laughs> the taxes. That's, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we typically, every week, we have our guests ask our listeners a question. So what question would you ask people about budgeting, life plans? something within that realm what question would you ask them okay so the question that i want to know is what makes them specifically uncomfortable about talking finances with people or publicly i like that too yeah because i i do find it so interesting because people have different hang-ups about what keeps them from talking about it mm -hmm. uh, i know one person told me they because they were a woman they felt it wasn't right because she was discussing salaries and i'm like girl that's when you have to talk about it. <laughs> we need to know what everyone's getting paid because we need to know who's being like treated unfairly. But so I want to know what they're, they feel uncomfortable talking about. Okay. I like that. Me too. Well, thank you for yes. gracing us with your presence. Thank you for having me. Thank you for yes. gracing us with your presence. Thank you so much. Um, and everybody, if you want to check her out, she'll be here. She'll be somewhere over there. She'll be in the episode description. Ooh. So as she said, read everything. Yes. And follow <laughs> at Millennial in Debt on yes. Instagram yes. and Twitter. Yes. So Twitter, Mill in Debt, and then YouTube is Millennial in Debt as well. Okay. Perfect. Um, and to hear the episode, you guys can listen to it on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. Yes. There you go. Um, and follow us at T with Double D Pod. And what else? I always, I'm really bad at this. Um, <laughs> T with double on everything else, and then T with double B. T bit. All right, you got it. I'm done talking. I give up. He's done an awesome job. Like, at T W slash double D. Um, and listen to us next time, guys. Yes. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for having me.